Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I want winners. I want people that want to win. All right, we are here a day late, but that is only because uh, I had some stuff going on last night. I had to recap the UFC show, but Sunday night, coming back for the post game of the 49ers Packers also gives us an opportunity to preview the game against the lions. So it kind of works out decently. Well, uh, Rod but is not, back, but not a dollar short though. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but so, but you know, I, I, I thought about it. I was like, well, if I know Rod, he's probably going to watch the Niners game again. He's probably going to watch the, uh, the, the other NFC game pretty closely. And so he'll have some, some thoughts. So, you know, a day late is, is okay. I think, I think we're good. Uh, even though we couldn't go right after, right after the, the, they won, which was a very sort of like emotional victory for the 49ers. It was very fortuitous for me because I watched the fourth quarter yesterday in the audience of the Ali Sadiq show. He's on stage and I've got my phone on my lap. And if you know anything about Ali Sadiq, he references the elephant in the room we're like 10 minutes from the stadium. Everybody is glued yeah, <laughs> to their yeah. phone. Yeah. Trying to, because if, if you're like me, when I booked that show, no, number one, I didn't, it didn't occur to me that we'd be playing Saturday night. And then two, I didn't think this game would be a game in the fourth quarter. I mean, right. I, it was, so it was, it was banana. So it was nice to be able to get, <laughs> to really, really watch it. Uh, I cannot tell you. It's crazy how relieved I felt when when CMC scored that touchdown. It was I. I I'm not gonna say I gave up because I don't really do that. But it was it was feeling pretty bleak there for a minute. Uh, I mean, it, it was it was just that game did not go the way I thought it was gonna go, especially offensively. We'll get yes. into that though. Yeah, you know, I think it's the one the one thing where historically, right? Like if you are a 49ers fan and you have been a 49ers fan in sort of our age range, we are supposed to be guys who were like, Oh, we've seen Super Bowls before. We're not ones to get uptight in these kind of games, but you know what I realize, And a lot of it is just because there are folks who are, you know, in their thirties mm-hmm. who were really, you know, not, not really paying attention to football in 1994 and 95. Mm-hmm. And so to them, the Niners haven't really won a Super Bowl in their lifetime. And that's fascinating to think about because when mm-hmm. I was growing up, I was like, ah, oh, this, they're just going to win every, yeah, year. every year. And you're, <laughs> it's like, it's almost like, you know, which is kind of ridiculous on the other end where you're like disappointed when they don't win a championship was 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 my reality from like age 12 to 
I don't know, 18. I would, I, you know, you went in most seasons expecting, you know, to, to compete for yeah. championships. It was just, you know, which is, which is also equally ridiculous. I mean, yeah. because, you know, team, their team, literally their teams that have never been there. And we had such a run of, you know, again, like, you know, you take, um, what the Patriots out of it, you know, most recently. And I mean, our run was kind of unprecedented yeah. um, for the length and, you know, the dynasty, it was, you know, it was, it wasn't really, you know, I guess, I guess the Steelers. Um, but yeah, we were, we were good for a long time. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it is kind of funny to think about, you know, a generation of pe- people who don't know a championship. And then if you break it down even further, you're, we really shouldn't be surprised that, you know, a, a kid like Brock, you know, is he just seemed kind of tight to me yesterday. Yeah. The, you um, can tell the wet ball is like it, it's problematic for him. He's yeah. he he there was one play where he takes the shotgun snap, puts the ball in his left hand, wipes his right hand on the towel before he makes the throw and the throws bad like it's in his head. And, you know, Alex used to get this a lot. Mm-hmm. Small hands, Alex, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, he can't play in the rain because he can't throw the football. can't throw wet football. Whatever they need to do in, in the offseason to get Brock used to throwing a wet football, that, that needs to happen. I think they're going to be okay this weekend, so that will not be an excuse. And then the Super Bowl is going to be in Vegas, so they, there won't be a wet ball there if the 49ers actually do make it. Mm-hmm. You know, that Cleveland game, you just go back to that Cleveland game, and you're like, geez, like – you know, this guy's he's never thrown a wet football before. I, which he has. He has to have. He, you know, he's played four years of college football in all the high school years. But whatever it is that, you know, his accuracy is just way off. Uh, in, in a, and it's funny. I was talking to some guys who are former players and they were, were saying just that. But but they, they were saying that it's, it's really tricky to replicate a wet football, you know, it's not just as simple as dunking a football in like a Home Depot bucket of water. <laughs> Apparently, rain somehow is different. It's, right. it's the wet is a different kind of wet. So, and I don't, I don't really even know what that means. <laughs> but it's so not as slickness simple. or something. Yeah, I guess. But they, you know, they say it's not just as simple as having him in training camp dunk balls and throw them. It's like you really you really need rainy and wet, you know, doing that on a summer day, it just, just doesn't replicate um, throwing wet footballs in the rain. I guess there's some kind of atmospheric thing that happens with mm-hmm. the, the humidity in the balls when it's, when, when, when it's, you know, because we, I, I know that, that you can feel the damp in the air here in in the bay area when it's raining it the the air feels different it's yeah. just it's a different it's a different kind of thing and i and i guess it is I, I guess when you think about that it is it's difficult to kind of replicate those conditions to um to practice them if you don't have them and anybody who lives in the bay area especially for the past three years knows that um you it's it's more likely and not that it's going to be drought than it's going to be rain. We yeah. just, we just haven't, we haven't had a bunch of it. Um, so yeah. When, and then you think about Brock growing up in Arizona, 
probably not much rain. <laughs> um, I don't think that there's, I don't know, I don't know anything about Iowa, so I don't, I don't know how much rain there is. Now, I, when I think of Iowa, I think more of a sn- of snow than I would of rain. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, it's like, and then here, it, it's just, it's just not something that comes up until it does. <laughs> right. So, you know, the, the Patriots and, and Brady, they had the deflate gate. Mm-hmm. We need to bring someone with like a microwave on the sidelines and there just you go. throw the footballs in there. Only the Niners get only Brock gets the microwave footballs and but so, you know, you made a, you made a great point about this game and about Brock and you know, what has, I think has become an issue with the way that you critique Brock is that, or not, not you personally, but us or fans Mm -hmm. is that what we fail to realize sometimes because he has been so good. And, you know, we had that MVP conversation earlier this year is he, he's only had, you know, less, what is it? 20 ish starts or maybe a little bit over 20 starts in his entire career. Oh, young. So young that this pressure is bigger than anything he's ever played in, obviously. I mean, you saw the television numbers for this game last night. Like, everybody was watching this game. And, you know, the the, the problem is, and we've discussed this before, we, probably more than anybody else, and I would say the Pats are probably right there, we hold quarterbacks of higher esteem than anybody else because of what we've seen. When you go from Montana to Young you're basically seeing quarterback excellence from 1981 through 1997. And it's just like, oh yeah, just 16 years. You know, we, we saw nothing but really, really great quarterback work. So for Brock, young guy, second year, first year ends with a shoulder injury. He doesn't have a ton of reps under his belt in year two. He has, a, a fantastic season and yet he's still the he's still the young guy going into yeah. this game he's still the most you know the inexperienced guy going into this game and you could see it you could definitely mm-hmm. see it in the beginning of this game and now some of it is also and he actually gave him a hat tip Detroit's game plan which was you know really taking away the long ball and mm-hmm. forcing him into checkdowns and with this wet football, even his checkdowns were astray. So, you know, I'm so happy. And, and, and you know, the Ravens and the, and the Niners kind of dealt with the same thing, which is first half for both teams, kind of subpar per what they how they usually play in the mm-hmm. regular season. And then you made the halftime adjustments. And the Ravens came out like gangbusters in the second half. The Niners did not. But you could see there was a, a little bit of a difference, and you could tell that they had figured some things out. And it was just about them against the clock. Were they going to have enough time? Right. And Green Bay was making plays, man. Aaron Jones, oh. 53 yard run. When, you know, I, I, I will tell you, everybody should be thankful that I am not a general manager in on the 49ers because. By the fourth quarter, I'd cut all of these players for next year. <laughs> Jake Moody, he was he was off the team. Jake Moody was off the team by halftime. Ambry Thomas, he was gone. He was just he was just out. And then uh Chase Young, not worth the money, can't can't set the edge, 
Cleveland is better. Like that, that, like that's mm-hmm. how nuts I was going because I was in a, in a moment of like, man, is this team fraudulent? Like that, that's that word kept going mm-hmm. through my mind, you know, as this game is going on. Like, how is Green Bay outplaying them? on their home field why are they slipping why is green bay's players not slipping is there a fraudulent aspect to this team and what i what i sort of came back down to is some of the things that we've talked about all season long brock is still young he's gonna have to fight through some of this adversity that he's never really had to deal with and the defense is a complete byproduct of being able to rush the passer and green Bay's mm-hmm. offensive line was a monster yesterday. And th- those two things are, have been true all season long for defensive line. Their pass rush has not faced a bunch of green Bay offensive line units. Uh, and, and that you, you could tell they finally started to, to break through a little bit in the fourth quarter. And obviously at the end of the game, when they forced Jordan love into that sidearm pass, that was uh he threw it into three guys. There was three 49ers and only one Green Bay wide receiver. So all in all, kind of how they, you know, map this thing out, how they game plan this thing out, it comes to fruition, but you didn't expect it to be in the last two minutes of the game. I would have figured that they would have figured out this team far earlier, but they did not. Um, it was it's funny thinking back to your earlier point makes a, it makes a lot of things with Brock make a whole lot of sense. We're talking about these are 30-somethings who've been on the internets comparing him to Joe Montana, whom they never even saw. Play, nope, they never saw which him. Is, which is ridiculous. I mean, which, again, for those of you youngsters that don't know, Joe Montana was clutch in middle Pennsylvania. He was clutch <laughs> Notre at Dame. Notre Dame. He was nut clutch at Notre Dame in the Cotton Bowl with the flu. Chicken was, soup on the sidelines. <laughs> he was clutch here from the catch on. So when you compare anybody to Joe Montana, Joe Montana, the, the conversation for most clutch player in league history, the conversation starts with Joe Montana. He, it literally is Joe cool. I mean, yeah. it's that you want to talk about it being a persona. And I worked in a high stress business for a long time and having leaders who are cool under pressure makes all the difference in the world because most people aren't most people when shit gets thick, they panic and there's nothing worse than working under somebody who is shitting their pants <laughs> when the shit is hitting the fan. It just, it's, it, it's awful. It is so cool when the person in charge that you're looking to is like, Hey man, we got this. Yeah. Um, it, it, it makes a difference. So one, I don't think that it is a condemnation or diminishes Brock at all that he had a little lemon booty. You know, yeah. and then it's a it's and the the wet ball is a problem. But I believe that all of these are learning experiences, and I think I really do believe he'll be better next week for his experience this week. Yes, 
Yes. I don't do a lot of criticizing of Kyle Shanahan. I think he's a genius. I don't know about 30 pass attempts, 39, <laughs> 39 pass attempts seems like a lot. I, yeah. I just, I just, I just don't. And we weren't, you know, but if you want to tell me we weren't being really effective, they were, their average stop on our run plays was like 1.4 yards um, after 1.4 yards. And they, and ours was like 4.5 damn near. I mean, we just, we could not get stops in the run game, which was really frustrating. And then the whole damn thing, uh, whoever the, the um, interviewer on the sideline said, Kyle specifically said one of the things that frustrated him was the cleat, cleat length. And he made, he told everybody to change their, to change to the longest cleat they had. Yeah. And still in the second half, we're slipping and sliding all over the place like we're playing on a completely different surface than um green bay is it, it, it that was just the height of frustration but all that being said i got this whole list of, of negative <laughs> stats <laughs> here but when the chips were down those dudes came up big and i mean that is overarching what i take away is um CMC, Dre, um, Bosa, Warner, those dudes made plays when the chips were down and we needed plays made. Um, So that, you know, over all the takeaway, um, and I just, again, another thing that the internet frustrates me is, yes, Brock had a great last drive, but why y'all can't acknowledge he was like ass for three quarters. You can blame that one on David Lombardi. (laughs) Our guy, Lombardi, he had the tweet at the end of the game about how only Joe Montana does this or something like that, which was the last drive. And uh, then it got aggregated by the athletics, one of the athletic accounts. And so, you know, Nick Wright is retweeting it going like, gosh, this guy has no idea what football is and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> exactly. But, but here, but here's the problem with Lombardi. And I, I don't, I don't have a, a problem with Lombardi. I, I would rather read Barros than, than Lombardi. Mm-hmm. Lombardi is a numbers guy though. He uses those numbers and he's really smart with those numbers. Lombardi was Jimmy G's biggest fan as well. Yeah. That's so, you know, he would, he would overlook certain Jimmy G things almost, almost in a sense to be an apologist sometimes, which I know infuriated the fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, like I, it, it, you have to acknowledge. And I think the 49ers fans, me being one of them were so afraid of what was going to happen. If Brock shit the bed in this game, yeah. because the national story which is kind of weird in the sense that, you know, the underdog Caucasian quarterback is usually so celebrated by the national media as like, you know, the great story. And, you know, you don't often see the same love for uh, athletes uh, uh, of, of, you know, not, not to bring up an old eighties adage, you know, the great Mm -hmm. white hope or whatever, but yeah, you know, usually that what Brock is doing is just university universally celebrated, mm-hmm. but there is a slice of the national media 
who needs to be proven right that they did not miss on this guy when they evaluated him three years ago. And so they're just, they're just rooting for him to fail. And I just did not, you know, this happened in uh, 2016 warriors when the, uh, the Cavs came back down three, three to one. I was, I I desperately wanted the warriors to win that championship because then they would have gone down as the best team in NBA history because they went 73 and 19 and uh, and, and 73 and nine. Sorry. And if they would have finished it, mm-hmm. but the I would have I was okay with them losing because you know LeBron was on one and and he suckered Draymond into getting kicked out of that game. But even worse than losing that was having to hear the national media and the Narrative. fan base mm-hmm. clown the Warriors from losing the three one lead like that was even worse. And that was what I was like, just so sad about more so than even losing the championship. So here with Brock, I was just like, I cannot even think about the crowing from some of these people. If he does not win this game. Now, maybe that still happens. We still have a game next weekend. And if we we are so lucky to get out of that one, then you have a Super Bowl, and they can still, you know they can still change the goalposts on on him and and still get that out. There's but, still plenty of bears to shit. So, yes. <laughs> um, you know, going back to your Montana thing, and and I find this so fascinating. This is why I subscribe to the Athletic, right? This is why I read. I I pay money to read the best reporters and the best analysts on, on uh, in the Bay area, there was a, a, a in the last drive, you know, and the, there's that famous Super Bowl story with John, Joe Montana telling Harris Barton, Hey, you know, look, Joe candy, John, John candy is uh, in the audience in, you know, during the, the most dramatic drive in Super Bowl history and Harris Barton just going like, dude, <laughs> like <laughs> I can even think about this. Right. Yeah. And so, you know who that guy was yesterday was Trent Williams. It was Trent. Williams. now I don't know what Brock said in, in the huddle. He, that he was not quoted as saying whatever he said to maybe calm the team down. But Trent basically said in the huddle, this may be the last time we are in this hole together, guys. So every play like your best. And I thought that was fascinating. Like, your best player is Trent Williams. We've said that all year long. Oh, yeah. As far as per his position, he is the best player on the 49ers. To have him lead, you don't usually hear offensive tackles being the leader in the huddle. So I thought that was fascinating. And I think most people would say, oh, that, that you know, Brock's not alpha because he he's not the one saying – the dude is so young. Like he's he doesn't have the tenure to be able to, you know, who is he's just finished his first full season as an NFL quarterback. Yes. Who is who is the guy who is that guy on a team full of all pros? I mean, you could say maybe Jordan Love is, but but he's like a vet. He's like four years in. Yeah. This is like his first you know, starting season kind of like Brock, but I mean, he's at least he's been around. He might be the most tenured guy on yeah. that offense. Yeah. When you look around, okay, maybe, maybe Aaron Jones, but still um, he's more tenured than like Brock is. I mean, yeah. it's, it's so it's different. It's, it, it it's just different. 
And the, 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 just to piggyback on your point about Lombardi, the thing that frustrates me about him <laughs> is he's a dude that will, will in a second drop you're being intellectually dishonest. Yes. When he's always intellectually <laughs> dishonest. What are you talking about? He gets caught up. He definitely gets caught up. <laughs> so, yeah. It, but like like you said, I, I concur with The Athletic, the, the 12 bucks. I can't think of any other subscription that I have um, that gives me the bang for the buck that the $12 I spend on. And I think this year I got a $6 for the entire year during the black Friday. Thing. Yeah. They, they're, they're, um, they have deals left and right. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, come on, man. Uh, 50 cent a month. For, <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. You, you, you cannot beat it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards. As we know it, if you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Um, so to put a cap on this kind of like Montana thing is what what I hope and I think what a lot of Niners fans hope is that, you know, because Joe, Joe was a really young quarterback when the 49ers won their first Super Bowl, too, but he played with those guys for three years. And in that third year is when they kicked it up into gear you know he he didn't play his his rookie season much until the end but you know he went through the the trials and tribulations with those guys now brock is thrown onto a really good team and it's just like okay here are the keys don't screw it up and that's kind of the idea with brock right with joe it's like joe's growing as as this as this team just gets better and better and better so by the time joe is in his third year He's been with those guys. He's been in the foxhole with those guys. So it's a little bit different, but he was also young by, you know, winning his first title. So what my hope is, is for Brock is every important game is just another notch on that experience belt for him. This is last year. Uh, he got through this round as well. He he also got through that wild card round. So he, he got to, you know, to take those steps. And then he didn't really get a chance to finish that, that NFC championship game, but still they were not the favorites going into that NFC championship game. The Eagles were uh, at home. So that was their game to lose. Essentially the Niners are the ones with the bullseye this year. And it's funny. I keep going back to the 30 something because that, that, um, that point you made is really poignant for a lot of reasons. And what a lot of people won't realize and I don't I don't, I've tried I've looked and I don't see much written on the fact that the NFL is a completely different thing than it was oh yeah in the 80s because think I I the way I remember it and maybe I misremember it the Giants were way huger in this market than they were like the the juggernaut in this market um, in terms of like media coverage and, you know, just their history. Um, they weren't necessarily the best, especially throughout the 80s. They weren't necessarily the best team, but they were the most significant team. 
And then the 49ers, even though they were winning championships, I don't know. They, it just, I, I guess maybe because of the how big for me in my life KMBR, the flagship, was, it just seemed like the Giants were omnipresent. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I'm in the East Bay, so I'm an A's fan. And then the Raiders were this whole <laughs> other, in, in the, in, especially in the East Bay, the Raiders were this whole other thing that um, it was like a cult basically but they were um, also gone for a large part of when we were younger still, they were it, they had such a their i which is a whole other story and that's a story that has been told their raider culture was so in entrenched and immersed in being a oakland resident yeah it, it was just it was it was like again that's like something that i've Never experienced it. Well, the closest thing to that, which is it's even crazier, is like LSU football in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. That's a, like a whole state. The whole state is like the it, it literally. It's like you know you talk about Friday Night Lights yeah. in Texas. The literally on Saturday afternoons, the entire state stops for LSU football. Little kid, it, it is not you know when they talk about recruiting advantages and stuff. It is true. The yeah. little kids grow up wanting to play you know you know you talk about wanting to go to the nfl yeah i guess that's that's a dream too but little kids grow up wanting to play for lsu i mean it's just that it's just a different type of thing and the 49ers we they just weren't that for a long time it took a long time and then the the um profile of the nfl is completely different you know, for a long time, the NFL was kind of like a, a ragtag <laughs> organization and just, you know, kind of just just out there. It wasn't really it's it was definitely not the global juggernaut that it is now back in the 80s. It just it just wasn't that. Well, I'll tell you what it was. The Giants. If you're KMBR, you have the Giants from uh, at least games from march all the way through october so there's so much of a uh, an inventory of product and then the giants i don't know exactly when this happened but they uh i think the giants have like invested into the radio station or something so there was it was always they were always going to get first priority they even would get first priority over Warriors playoff basketball, mm-hmm. which caused the Warriors to leave and go to a different station. But in the 80s, when we were growing up, the 49ers were on KGO. They were yeah. not even on KMBR. Mm-hmm. So, and, so the, and, it, and so, like you say, the entire format was built around Giants baseball. So all of the talk shows, you know, from morning up till game time, where it was like Giants talk, basically. And then you had the games. And then afterwards, it was call-in talking about primarily the Giants. And that was, you know, for me, that was what I listened to. I was, I had sports radio on all tape. So it was either. I would wake up to it and fall asleep to it. It was either KMBR and I'd listen to the Giants talk or I was on KSFO and it was A's talk. So it was, you know, which is just a different baseball just held a different place in society then it's just it's different Um, day-to-day sport versus week-to-week sport yeah like you say like from march to october it was that was 
Well, daily is what you talked about. I mean, we'll, just... we'll, we'll, we'll go back to this game, but I'll tell you when it switched. It switched with Montana and Young and the debate between who should be the starting quarterback. That's when it switched, and there was an overdrive of sports talk radio where you could talk about that stuff over the off season because it was drama. It was for, you know, for your diehard Joe Montana fans, it was Montana is proven. It was inconceivable that you would consider anybody. You had, you trusted him. You had faith in him. And Steve young was this different style of quarterback. And back then before young became young, he would look at, probably just look at Jerry and if Jerry isn't open, he was tucking that football and running. That's just the style in which he played. Uh, and so fans were not comfortable because he would throw the, you know, the timely untimely interception or he would, he was so badly wanted to succeed in fumbling and, and those kind of things. And, you know, that was just more ammo for the Montana fans and Montana himself. Montana didn't want to leave. He, he, you know, this was his town. This was his team. And so to have this guy underneath him and, uh, you know, there's a story in the athletic about Steve young coaching his, um, his daughters in flag football and his daughters are supposedly really good athletes. So he, he, he helps coach their flag football team. And in that story, they told the same story that I told on this, uh, show before where young was doing a public speaking thing in a Mormon church. And my friend was Mormon He's like, do you want to go? I was like, yeah. And my parents are like, are you sure? I'm like, "Ah, you know, Mormon, whatever. I just want to see Steve Young speak. Like, that's why I wanted to go. And and so he says this story that, um, you know, he was invited over the Montanas for Thanksgiving. And in the way that I remember it, it was Thanksgiving. And the way that Steve retold it, it was Christmas. So whether whatever my memory, his memory, whatever. and you know, when Joe's introducing Steve to the family, one of Joe's daughters goes, oh, daddy, is this the guy that you hate at the dinner table? Oh. Right. So imagine, you know, breaking the, uh, you know, just the, the, the breaking bread with, mm-hmm. with uh, the, 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 the kids giving out the, the truth bombs. Right. Yeah, so, but that's when it, that's daddy, when it let's go to the, let's go to the replay. <laughs> <laughs> With kid play. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, so, you know, that long story short, comparing Brock Purdy to Joe Montana is uh, not great. So if you you do it, if you, if you, if you do it, I want, I want you to uh, allow, because you're just setting Brock up for failure, allow Brock to get some of these big games underneath his belt. And, you know, down the line, 10 years, if Brock has a couple Super Bowls, then naturally you sort of make that comparison because of what has happened in the past. It happens with every single team. Like, imagine how many people, uh, you know, are, are Cowboys fans, lifelong Cowboys fans. And you got Dak and everyone's like, yeah, Dak puts up great numbers, but he's no Troy Aikman. Like, I imagine that is happening in Dallas, mm-hmm. right? I mean, And that's frustrating because when you look at Troy Aikman's numbers, you know, they're not very impressive, but they aren't. You had, you really did have to be there for the context of what Troy Aikman was asked to do. He was not asked to be Dan Marino no. in that offense. He was, you know, 
And, and and Troy Aikman even says it. You know, Emmett Smith ran that engine. He was the engine that made those Cowboys. Him and the playmaker. Yep. Um, are the guys that really made that offense run. Um, and, and you know, and, and and Troy Aikman did his job and is is a Hall of Famer, rightfully so, even though his numbers don't really stack up with his contemporaries. But yeah. He was a great. He was a great player, and he won three championships. Don't I mean? Don't tell Cowboys fans this. <laughs> Little bit game manager ish. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That you know that, sure. that he was called upon to make some big throws, but even uh, you know even in 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 their biggest wins, uh, he wasn't necessarily uh, you know bombs away. He wasn't and, not. And, oh, he wasn't on my back. It was Emmett. Guys. Yeah, it was Emmett. Emmett was the most valuable player on that team. And we saw when he held out, you know, the difference. I mean, yeah. he, he was the guy on that offense. Above, and, and I think Michael Irvin was kind of Draymond-ish in his, in, he, in the fact that he's one of those guys, kind of like Sap, that won championships everywhere from the time yeah. he was, you know, in Pop Warner, through college, in the pros, and I and I'm one who believes in that kind of pedigree. I don't think it's just luck. Yeah, that everywhere that, that these guys show up, and then championships show up. I, you know, I'm not one that believes that's luck. I think that it's something to what those guys. And 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 he was a bad boy. Let's not get that twisted. But he was their spiritual. He was their their spirit animal. <laughs> was Michael Irvin, which yeah. is a scary property. <laughs> but, the, you um, know, you know when, uh, when Shaq finally won the NBA championship with the Lakers, I was so happy because, you know, I was a Shaq guy. I just loved his personality. I still love him on Inside the NBA. I get a kick out of him. He's such the most giving person. I remember Tom Tolbert said, you know, when he was in Orlando, uh, he was at a Walmart, and Shaq just shut the place down and, like, bought everything for everybody in the store that's like crazy. that's how Shaq was right and so but Shaq had this one quote when he was struggling early in his career with you know winning the whole thing and he's like I won everywhere except for college in the NBA <laughs> it's like yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> so uh but yeah no you're 100 percent um the the uh, getting back to the actual game that happened and I'm actually glad that we made some of these tangents and and uh, comparisons because, you know, for you and me, we are trying to get back to a feeling that we had in the mid nineties. That's why we root so hard and critique so hard and follow so closely is you're just chasing this feeling that we maybe took for granted when we were younger. And now it's like, okay, like this team is good enough to get back there. I want, these, you know, my 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 spoiled twenty uh, something year old kids who are like, oh, yeah, Giants won three World Series, Warriors won four championships. What about the Niners? What are the Niners? Like, you lucky guys, I never saw any championships except for the 49ers and I was growing up. But I want to, you know, you want the younger fan base to feel what we felt, and also to make up for twenty thirteen in 2019 because it was unfathomable to us that the Niners were ever going to lose in the Super Bowl 
And then they lost those two games. And so he kind of was like, oh, okay. Like this is a little bit different than what I'm used to. So I feel like we're chasing, you know, this feeling a little bit. And, you know, I don't know. I, I would say that uh, that 2013 Kaepernick team, that was probably the closest I felt to like, oh, this is the good old days again. And they just met uh, met up against a, a boss team who, you know, got out to a big lead and they played catch up the rest of that game. So this team since 2013 is I think our best shot, or was that the 2012 team? I always forget. I always get the mm-hmm. in in football. I because yeah, the yeah. years the cross team. over. Yeah. I always get the exactly. the year wrong. But you know that that team was an excellent, excellent team. And one of the frustrations for me is that Frank Gore never got that ring. Right? You know the the ultimate 49er. Well, Frank Gore is back with the organization. Like you know, let let's let's finish the job here because they have a talented team. But at the same time, you run up against some ghosts because who are the two teams left on the AFC side if you can't get past Detroit? It is the team that you lost to in 2012 and the team that you lost to in 2019. So there are lots of narratives that can be created, and that's what's great about the Super Bowls. You can create a narrative and create, you know, here's things that are going to happen. If the Niners can get past Detroit, they're going to be ghosts of – you know, Super Bowl past stories for them. And so I'm glad we kind of went down that rabbit hole of memories because that's that's where my mind goes when we get to this time of the year. I don't think about um, you know, us losing in the Super Bowl or us or, or Alex Smith and and company losing in the NFC title game. Like I think about 1989 and 1990 and 1984 because I lived it. So this team We've been saying it. There's a little bit something different about this team. And the only thing that they hadn't faced all year long, and Nick Bosa, uh, who I find to be like the smartest kind of meatheady-ish guy (laughs) out there, like the guy's like, hey, all of our wins were like blowout wins, and all of our close games were losses. So we needed this game. They needed the adversity they needed to be able to achieve to get over that hump for Brock to get that comeback drive for Shanahan. That stat is hopefully dead. The, the fourth quarter down in the fourth quarter, Shanahan teams can't win games like that stat is, is finally dead. So I think that is important in us sort of expecting and holding them accountable to the great teams that we've seen in the past. That's what we do. You have to do that with an organization like this because it's not now the lions are going to be a little bit different, right? They haven't been here into the NFC title games. That's 91 previous uh, title championships is like the fifties. So in, in the, like they're measuring against something completely different. If we flame out in this championship game, I think to a lot of us, it's kind of going to be, be a, a failed, yeah, a failed season a in a sense. So. so yeah, we, you know, feel free to go ahead and let's blow these dudes out. If, if that's what you, you know, I think we, we, we did the whole comeback thing. Now let's go, let's go out there and stomp these dudes. I mean, I, I, in, and in looking at looking ahead to that game, I just, you know, it's the same old story. It's the same thing that, um, I said going into this game, um, there is a scenario where Gibbs and, and Montgomery are able 
to establish a run game and they're able to get sustained drives on us and get points and then put us behind. And then if we get behind, the thing, the difference is, can't, I mean, Detroit's defense isn't really great. They can, if they, if we find ourselves in obvious passing downs, they do have advantage, again, which because everybody does, against us and straight drop back pass um, situations. Because I keep saying it, and it, it's not a hot take that, you know, outside of Trent, our offensive line isn't very good. They can, they can, you know, and they are, they are very, a very good run blocking unit for the most part. They have, they have their problems, you know, as we saw on Saturday, but um, we can't be in obvious passing downs because that is not good for us. But if we can get our play action going, if we can get our run game going, and we can give Brock time and not have, you know, Aiden Hutchinson in his face, we should be able to carve up their secondary. I mean, so then at that point, it's like, how do we want it? Do we want to run it down their throat? I'm at the point where I want to see um, CMC get 30 touches a game. Um, I just think he's the most dynamic offensive weapon in the league. And we should just, we should use him as such at this point. I get, trying to limit him to get him through a 17-week season to 20 touches, that's great. But in situations like this, it's it's literally balls out. You know, you, you're going to rush Josh Allen. You're going to run Lamar. You're going to, you know, you're those are, these are the, if, you, if you're not going to do it now, then when are you? Because these are the games that really, really matter. Um, so I hope to see that. I hope Debo is fine because it it's clear and you know you you see fans say some of the silliest things you you could just see that the game plan was built a lot large part of it was built around Debo because we started when he was out we started trying to run Ray McLeod and <laughs> Jawan Jennings out there in the Debo role which they ain't Debo yeah. uh, but but by the same token. A, nobody has multiple game plans for injury, injury contingency. And two, if you got Debo Samuel, why wouldn't you build a game plan yep. around getting him the ball? I mean, he is one of, again, I keep saying it, and I don't think it can be refuted. He's one of the five best players in the league with the ball in his hand. He is just, he's a difference maker. Um and there's nobody quite like Debo. And you see play Clint teams. We saw it today with um the Bills and Diggs. When you've got these elite athletes, more teams are starting to try to use them like Debo, putting mm-hmm. them in the backfield, getting in the ball on screens, getting in the ball on end arounds. It just it makes sense if you've got players like Chase and Jefferson and Diggs and Debo. If you got guys like that, you don't want to be limited to just getting them the ball out in the X spot. You want to put pressure on the defense that they got to worry about this dude wherever he is on the field, 
you got to get eyes on him because he can break he can break the game. Um, so I don't have a problem with Kyle consistently building game plans around Debo. And I don't believe that Debo is like faking these injuries. I mean, that show hit on the shoulder looked legit to me. Um, it's a, it, I don't think that he's like a diva or something who's faking these injuries. I, I, I think it's unfortunate. Um, and I hope he's back this week, but yeah, it's a difference. It makes a difference when he's not in there. Maybe we take him off uh kick return coverage. Just, well, <laughs> I, you know, again, I, 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 I understand the thought of that. We're going to put Ronnie Bell back there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also Ray Ray is himself just coming back from injury. So, yeah. So, I mean, to me though, it's like in these important games, you know, giving Debo more touches is not a bad thing. But like you yeah. say, it, it is a risk, you know, yeah. having those dudes firing down there, you know, with at full speed is not a, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a risky proposition. There's, there's no question about that. What did you see out of Detroit today that makes you a little worried for the Niners? Cause, and, I, and I'll preface this by saying, if you sort of look at football as it's a battle of, of your line, it's a battle of the offensive line versus defensive line, Green Bay should have won that game yesterday. If oh, that yeah. is sort of the way that you measure, you know, success or or whatever. And I don't think the Niners will be able to have another game, at least defensively, where the line gets dominated and we expect them to uh, to play the style of football that that we hope for. The the Lions they kind of play up tempo offensively and defensively like there's not you know lions are not winning a lot of games where they hold teams to a, a low number of points they're 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 outscoring teams with and then that's kind of their backbone is you know we're going to give up some points but we have firepower on offense to, to score points as well and that's kind of how they 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 look at least as far as i can see how how i would look at their team yeah uh, so yeah. that that kind of bodes well for the 49ers because they can get into this uh, time of possession game that they love to do and just kind of methodically go down the field and you get one stop and all of a sudden you're up 14-0 and then you get a stop right before half and you score again then you get the ball like this is the 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 Shanahan blueprint but at the same time Detroit has playmakers Amon St. Uh, St. Brown, mm-hmm. uh, Gibson, Montgomery. You mentioned those guys. What about the tight end? Is the tight end? Yeah, Laporta. Yeah, he's it, a. Yeah, he's um he's back and he's yeah he's a difference maker. Um, yeah, their offensive line is a concern, especially on the interior. That dude, um, Ragnow, their center is like one of the best in the league, and that's been a weakness for us this season is being able to control teams that are you know, good on the interior, especially, you know, Armstead is back. I really didn't get to, um, I really like watch all his snaps to see his numbers look decent. And, you know, we were, we were okay, but yeah, that's a concern. Um, them being able to run the ball against us. 
I think this could be a Wilkes game with the coverages because, you know, Jared Goff will give you the ball. He'll give you yeah. opportunities. He'll give you opportunities to, to take it from him. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this, just from, like you say, from a tempo standpoint, the way Denver, I mean, Detroit likes to play, um, it'll give us – they – they're a good matchup for us, I think. I think that um, I think we can we could have a really big game, and I think that would be good going in to a Super Bowl. You know, at you know coming out of you know a shootout kind of situation would be good for us. And I I think I think we can I think we've got the firepower to um to do it. And I would love to see Brock come off of this game and have like a big game. One of those games, like, you know, that have, we've, they've come to be signature Brock games, you know, yeah. the high passer rating, high efficiency, um, you know, just, you know, distributing and, you know, high completion rate, um, all of that, not no, put all of the, um, the kind of struggle, lemon booty kind of stuff away <laughs> um i'm screaming I, I, i'm screaming at this dude yeah use your feet <laughs> get out of the pocket you feel this pocket closing on you like yeah. step to the side step up you may not be able to hit that timing route that you're desperately trying to hit but give yourself more time let your let your guys free themselves and so but yeah he was you know he was trying to run the uh the shanahan you know, playbook and there were, they were hurrying him up in moments where he thought he had something. So yeah. um, the other thing, and, you know, I guess let's, let's start talking about MVPs because my MVPs, I think on defensively, our MVP is probably the same in, yeah. in Dre Greenlaw, mm -hmm. but offensively you had CMC with the two touchdown runs and he did break one. He He could be anybody's offensive MVP, but like you said, they didn't really go to him early on. Mm -hmm. And uh, I noticed that there were times late in the game where he looked tired. And I was like, Shanahan does not trust JP in this game to take even one snap. This is not happening. Nope. CMT, you're going to have to find, you have to find another win here. Uh, and, you know, Kittle, the big play downfield. Uh, he did have a drop, but then he came back. Ayuk had a, 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 a slow game until the end where he caught that shoestring and he caught some tough third down catches. But my offensive MVP is JJ. That th There were moments in this game where I was like, are the Packers kind of punking us? Like, they're kind of getting the Niners pissed off and getting them into little scuffles. And that one dude, I guess Simone Biles' husband, like, flopped so hard. Uh, uh, Trent, like, gave him a little bit of a, a, a small shove, and he went flying. Come just on, went man. Yeah, I hear, flop, I hear flopping. Yeah. It's <laughs> like the NBA. But they kind of got us out of composure a little mm -hmm. bit. And then uh, you see some JJ stuff and on that on, on a couple of the Kittle plays. He's like blocking dudes all the way out of bounds, like not stopping. There was another one where uh, he was blocking this one dude out of bounds, like near like the tables like like 10 yards on the other side of the out of bounds and he just keep blocking them and he sets the tone in that way and he probably gets 
on the other team's nerves more than mm-hmm. anybody gets on our nerves. But I think they needed that because they were a little bit out of sorts composure wise. And they were getting, you know, I think um, there was the penalty. There was the offsetting penalties where, where it was clear that the Green Bay guy kind of took a swipe. But I forget the Niners offensive lineman just kind of pushed first or or uh, who was it? It was uh, somebody just kind of like, oh, somebody just like swipe. I think it was maybe Randy Gregory or somebody like so like swipe down was in the thing and he got. So then they allowed the refs to offset the penalties. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was just glad that JJ was still JJ because they needed it. They needed that toughness. They needed that like get underneath the skin of the other team. And he had a couple of catches that were necessary. Brock threw like a a moon ball, kind of a heavy ball that he came down with. And you just saw like he was he was going to make his force known in this game no matter what. And they needed that big. So I'm going with JJ. Yeah, you can't I can't argue that. He is a tone setter, like you say. And I mean, there was some talk on Facebook about we need to get him the ball more. I mean, come on, let's, let's be real. Let's go. <laughs> easy, easy. We got four, five all pro ball carriers. If you include um, Juice this year, which was great to see him get an all pro nod. Um, but yeah, I, I, we don't we don't need to get Juice the ball anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you got CMC and Debo and Ayuk and Kittle, and I again, I keep saying that it's ridiculous the amount of touches that George Kittle gets. Yeah, on this team, um, don't be telling me that Juwan Jennings or Eli Mitchell or Jordan <laughs> Mason needs to be getting more touches. Who you okay? So who are you taking them? Yeah. Who who, who who's getting less touches? Shanahan showed us. CMC? He showed us what he was gonna do. CMC staying on the football field. He's not even getting a blow. They yeah. needed him, and it's not just to run the ball. It's to not screw up anything else. And it's right. so that brought that, and that is such a huge point is that you can count on Christian to make the right play. And if you throw Christian the ball, you look at the stats. You throw Christian the ball. Christian is not going to drop the ball. Yeah. He's going to catch the ball. If you give him touches, he's going to get you positive yards. He's going to make – and this was something I saw way back in training camp. And I know they're not in pads on training camp. That dude does not lose yards. He is going to make something out of nothing. If the blocking is shit, Christian will get yards. He just – he just does it. It's like he falls forward. For it's five like his yards. his favorite thing is to find out that a defensive back is trying to tackle him because he ends up on top of the defensive back every single time. Yeah, yeah. I found that it. I took that as disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, He's like you. You are the one who is trying to. Mm-hmm. You know, I've already gotten through the linebacker. And now I get you, I'm I'm just running you over. And that's kind of his mentality. He is so fun to watch. And I remember, you know, I'm a Cal fan, so I couldn't stand Christian McCaffrey at Stanford. <laughs> but I respected his game because he yeah. was just so good. And it's like, it was like, it was crazy. I don't know which one it is, if it's Eisen or, or um, SVP who talks about how you know unbelievable it was how 
Jim Harbaugh made Stanford a physical yeah. football team. And, you know, Christian McCaffrey was one of those guys. And it's still sometimes I got to pinch myself that he's like a 49er. I, mean, I know. He, he is. You take him for is, granted. I mean, he is he is great. And I am an avowed Frank Gore oh, yeah. lover. I mean, Frank's my guy. Um, and, and so is Craig to an, another student. He's like an OG. Yeah. Um, like Frank was like, when I was like in my prime, Frank was the guy. If Roger um, Craig didn't fumble against the Giants in 91 yeah. for us, to, then he's probably even more well-remembered, yeah. but that is held against him, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. You know who else that should be held against? Bubba Paris, because he just whiffed. Like Lawrence Taylor just went through him. <laughs> Uh, and Lawrence Taylor's going through everybody, but still, Bubba just just once can you just you know? But anyway, Bubba's beloved. Bubba's yeah. Bubba's a yeah. Uh, but a Christian person. is he is like right in the prime of his career, and you know he strings together a couple more years like this one. Um, he will be you know in all you know, and if we're able to you know get a championship or two. He's gonna he's gonna be a Hall of Famer, I think. I mean, he is, and he'll be in the conversation. I have no disrespect to um Hugh McElhaney or you know the old old timers. I never saw um Joe Perry or Hugh McElhaney play. I don't even think I've seen any tape of those yeah. dudes. Um, so I I don't have any context for them. So for me, Frank is the best running back in 49er history. Um, and you know, Christian has the the talent to put himself in that conversation. Um, he he just he's just so impressive. Yeah, so we impressive. we talked about that before the season. We gave our like Mount Rushmore of uh, 49ers running backs. If you want to go to bspnmedia.com, you could click on the blog and and we have our our thoughts on that here. And that was even before the season. And Christian then goes on to have like one of the best 49er running back seasons of all time this year. So, uh, okay. As we head to Sunday, Niners and lions, there is a, the thing that I'm worried about mostly with this game is just the kind of the underdog story of this lions team. I imagine nationally a lot of people want to see the lions win just because that's the cuddly story because of their history uh i don't give a crap about it maybe if they were playing if we weren't team. in it i probably yeah. would be I, yeah if, if it was dallas and detroit yeah, I, oh, I, might, I might i might i might buy a lion's hat if it was absolutely dallas and detroit. <laughs> yeah, but, that, that, that honolulu blue is, is fire <laughs> i like that i but, i've um, uh I, i've talked to a few Lions fans and I think they are taking this game as we've had our heart broken so many times. We don't want to get too excited. And at the same time, we weren't necessarily supposed to be here. So even if we lose, we kind of won the season anyways. Um, And that can be like a dangerous kind of team, like the team that is just like, you know, we got nothing to lose here. Like we already won. Why don't we just keep this thing going? So there's something that, and and if you remember two years ago, we opened in uh, Detroit, I think. Yeah. And we were up like big. big time. 
and they scored like 16 points in the fourth quarter and made it somewhat of a of a closer game. Yeah, it, it was it it really is like a referendum on when people are talking about um pull your starters and not, you know, finish, you know, not finishing the game. That's the game I always think about is that became a contest again when it looked like it was over. Yep. Um so yeah, it's it it I am, you know, I'm glad we got the bye week. I don't subscribe to this foolishness that, you know, see Rust. I don't <laughs> I, I don't I don't buy that. Um but I do this I would prefer to play them here than in Detroit. Yeah. Because I, I don't want any part of that nonsense back there. I mean that that is bonkers. The environment that they've created the last two weeks. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, in in, yeah. in in my back pocket, you know what I have in my back pocket of hopes. Jared Goff's going to take a sack, that he is going to kind of fall into. He's going to throw some balls that the Niners are going to be able to make plays on. We got to make the plays though. We and gotta, the defense got to make them pay. Defense has to make the plays. He's going to hit some big throws too because yeah. he is he is talented. Yeah. But there are going to be opportunities that he's going to give us, especially if we can. I mean, you saw late in this game against Tampa, the reason why Tampa gets a couple of extra shots is because Goff has to take sacks. Yeah. And in inopportune times, he's going to do that. He's going to yes. do that, and he's going to throw you the ball. Um. Now you have to make the play. Um, because if you don't, I've seen it too many times this season. The defense drops a pick. I think that even happened today. You drop a pick, and then Amon St. Brown goes yes. for twenty plus. Um, it, it's just you. You have when when he gives you opportunities, you have to take them. Yes. Um, so yeah, I and I think I think we can. I think um, I don't think I don't think St. Brown is a great matchup for anybody. No. But, uh, but Chavez Ward has been great this season, so I I feel confident in him. Um, those other guys, like you say, I don't I don't disagree <laughs> at all with taking that twenty jersey and be like, hey man, you need to. <laughs> but by the way, like one of my worries was uh, Jair Brown. What what ha- Why was Logan Ryan playing so many downs in this game? Just I don't just like. I- he, that, had, he he was olaying all these times. I'm like, what is this guy doing on the field? I, yeah, I think they, you know, all of that the olaying being said, I think they trust the fact that he's played in a bunch of big games. You know, yeah. those Patriot teams, he, you know, he's got, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, I didn't have him looked it up, but I wouldn't be surprised if, from a playoff standpoint, he might be the most tenured player on our team with, in terms of, playoff starts um so i don't know but it, it that you know he might just be cooked though so i don't know <laughs> I, I i don't know at a certain point you know experience and talent you know that being it you know it they passed each other and um there you know it's, there's always a reason why these dudes aren't on teams in october and november i mean yes it's, it's not an accident you know people don't generally mess up misdiagnose i guess you know you want to say that joe flacco still had whatever left I, you know whatever okay but you know 
Des- Des- Deshaun know. Watson may have been the only person in Cleveland rooting against Joe Flacco, by the way. Yeah, but um, yeah, <laughs> it it was yeah. I, I'm just saying though, I, he you know Logan Ryan looked kind of done. I mean, so but. yeah, you you know on uh, Inside the NBA, I mentioned Shaq already, but they played this game uh, called Who He Play For. <laughs> and Chuck and Chuck never, has to take never a, anybody. He has to take a random guy who's been on twenty teams, and he's got to figure out. So they did one with Stephen A. Smith. When Stephen A. Smith, they did the ESPN and TNT thing together during that in-season tournament, and mm-hmm. so Stephen Smith had to play who he play for, and he was just like mad, like he's like, I can't, can't believe you guys are killing me on this show. But he like he could he didn't know any of these guys either. But what it what. It, <laughs> I almost felt like we have to play a game of our own sometimes in the, in these games. Cause I'm looking at the numbers on the back of these years. I'm like, wait, who is that? Who missed that tackle? And then I would look like, Oh, that's Logan Ryan. Why is he even in the game? Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you don't know the numbers of the guys who are on, you know, on the replay in the cam- in the angle camera angle, like that's another that's 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 kind of bad. Like if I if you and I watch the game and we go, wait, what number is that? Who is that? Oh, wait, how, why is he even playing? That's a bad thing. Like, I feel like, you know, the number the the team with the most number of those guys playing in the playoffs probably has uh, the worst chance to win. And so I um I, I remember doing that with Pittsburgh this year. And it's like our former friend Witherspoon. Like he's still in the league. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't great when he played for us. No, but um, he's still banging around collecting checks. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. All right, so we'll be back uh, next weekend after Niners Lions. You know that game will be over by six thirty ish our time. So I would rather go immediate. Uh, I think after that game, just because it's you know it's important to to kind of get the uh, the immediate reaction and emotion uh, of that game win lose or draw. So I want to appreciate I want to thank you for being so flexible with your schedule while I've been doing the the basketball stuff with the Twins. All right, so- Garrett, I will get my NFC championship t-shirt <laughs> Monday as opposed to running right to Dick's on Sunday night and grabbing it. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I can, I can take one for the team. Yeah, no, but I, I really appreciate you being so flexible and so wide open to, to my schedule. And so hopefully next week we'll be able to have that opportunity to uh, go right after the game. And I know, the people like Shelvin. I know when we record late, Shelvin's like, guys, I got to get up early on, on Monday, <laughs> man, you guys are killing me. But mm-hmm. Shelvin, you know, specifically for Shelvin, he's in the back of my mind when, uh, when we cannot go exactly right after the game. So Shelvin, we will be here right after the NFC title game next week, talking Niners lions. And then hopefully you know, with some, um, with, with some, um, apple cider <laughs> in celebration yeah, for yeah. our journey to Vegas for yes. a a Super Bowl. I I have a really good feeling, and I had like a sick feeling, you know, with ten minutes left in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Me too. I'm um, seeing it all kind of um fall away, and the relief. I can't tell you the relief I felt when we when he made that. Well, both times when. Dre got the interception, the first, both interceptions. Um, it was just like heaven. You know, those three plays, the two interceptions and the missed field goal, it all kind of 
comes down yeah. to those plays. Um, and you know, you know, when you it's it's such a great story when you think that he's like out there on like a bum wheel, um, and he's saving the game for us. I mean, he, yeah. you know, it's um, it was it it really, you know, it to me that's what being a fan is about. That's what grinding out all of these practices and games and win or lose for those moments are it it make to me makes it all worth it you know i, I told you he, he, thank you big dom because you gave dre <laughs> he so much motive- that picture like in the rocky <laughs> montage so you gave him so much inspiration oh! <laughs> for the end of this season this dude has got something called uh achilles tendonitis which just sounds terrible and he's able to play thanks to big dom he he that's that's how he's getting his workouts in he's just thinking about big dom all right so uh next week we'll be here after the game thanks to everybody have a great week good luck to everybody as you sit through and clench your fists and grind your teeth like we were doing this week. Hopefully it's a little bit easier, but Hey, if we got to grind our teeth and clench our fist and get mad and it still ends in victory, it's going to be worth it. So uh, for Rod, I'm double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.